Amen. There is a concept out there. It's not one I necessarily believe. But there's a concept that when we get to heaven, we will not remember anyone. We won't remember anyone because there will only be one worth remembering. Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't believe that. The disciples recognized Moses, you know, at the Mount of Transfiguration. But the concept of the only one worth remembering makes sense. Amen. Amen. It's about Jesus, isn't it? I love his grace. I love it this morning. If you have your Bibles, amen. name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Hebrews 4 and 15. This is, I'm reading from the New American Standard. Um, Sister Kohler, that's one thing that we need to talk about maybe in, in the board meeting. Make sure that we have two or three versions. In that software, I think we have one, but I really can't remember. Okay, okay, we need to just, that's something we need to figure out. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amen. We all need mercy and grace, don't we? We all have times of need where we need Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word here this morning, God. Hallelujah. Lord, just penetrate our souls this morning with your spirit. Move us, God, to action in your kingdom through your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone say amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. There is a story about Ferrello LaGordia who, when he was mayor of New York City, anyone ever flown out of LaGuardia Airport? I have one time. It's, it's um, on Long Island. When he was mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Depression and all of World War II, he was called by the adoring New Yorkers, the Little Flower, because he only stood five foot four, and he always wore a... a Carnation in his lapel. He was a colorful character. He would jump on fire trucks. He would raid with policemen. He would take whole orphanages to baseball games. Whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, maybe the boys who were delivering would strike, he would go on radio and he would read parts of the newspaper over the radio. <clears throat> One bitterly cold night in January of 1935, the mayor turned up at night court and served, it was the night court that served the poorest ward in New York City. And LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and he took over the bench. And one of the first, uh, one of the first, uh, uh, Cases before him was a tattered old woman 
who was arrested for stealing a loaf of bread. Uh, she told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her and that her daughter was sick and her two grandchildren were starving. And that's why she had stolen the loaf of bread. Uh, the, the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen stood up and he said, I will not drop the charges. It's a bad neighborhood. And if I drop them, your honor, it will leave the wrong lesson. We need to teach my neighborhood the lesson that you cannot steal without paying the consequences. She has to be punished. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and he said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. But as he was pronouncing the sentence, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a $10 bill. And he tossed it into his famous sombrero. And he said, here is $10 that I remit to pay the fine. And furthermore, I am fining everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for allowing a city where we live to abandon a woman in the time of need to a point where she has to steal a loaf of bread for her grandchildren. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines. And so the bailiff walked around the courtroom with his hat. Then after he had collected $47.50, LaGuardia gave the money to the woman. She was bewildered. 50 cents was given by the red-faced grocery store owner. 70 petty criminals that were in that courtroom that night, traffic violations, etc., New York City policemen, they all paid 50 cents, and they gave LaGuardia a standing ovation. That's grace. That's grace. It's outside-the-box grace. We use it as a noun in Christian beliefs. It is the free, unmerited favor of God. It is manifest in our salvation. It is God bestowing blessings upon us that we do not deserve. It is the condition or the fact of being favored by someone. As a verb, we do honor to, we give credit to someone, something by one's presence. It is, a, it is a difficult word, to be honest. I mean, we, we understand it in its simplicity, but there really isn't a... I have a detailed textbook on every definition of Christendom, and it... It does its best to define grace. Some have tried to use acronyms like God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. But that's not sufficient. There, there's so much more to grace than that. Uh, 
God's unmerited favor. That's probably the most famous. What is grace? It's God's unmerited favor. A.W. Tozer expanded on that. Grace is the good pleasure of God that, that inclines him to bestow benefits to the undeserving. It's not merely unmerited favor. It's, it's favor that's bestowed upon sinners that deserve wrath. You with me? Uh, showing kindness to a stranger is unmerited favor. But doing good to one's enemy, that's grace. Amen. I would assume every one of us here at one time or another has seen a car on the side of the road that's broken down, out of gas, a flat tire, and you've stopped to help, I, I, I would think, you know. Uh, that's, that's just unmerited favor. Uh, but what if it's the person who just cut you off and you almost got in an accident? That's grace. <laughs> right? Grace... I think God wants us to understand grace more today because I, we need to be a grace church. We need to show grace to people. Not just this blanket grace, but, but people who need it. People who are sinners. People who don't know God. People who are in wrath with God. We need to show them grace. Amen. This is, this is a powerful scripture on grace. Luke Chapter 6, verse 27, Luke 6 and 27. But I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, amen. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And to him that takes away thy cloak, Forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as they would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them that do good to you, what thank have you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, talking about the interest, what thank have ye? For sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. Verse 35, but love your enemies, do good and lend hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. And he, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, for your Father is also merciful. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't strike certain people dead? Because he's merciful. Because he's full of grace. And he wants us to be the same way. He wants us to be gracious to people, be kind to people, especially to those who aren't kind to us. Amen. We should not return eye for eye. Amen. Tooth for tooth. We should be kind 
to those who despitefully use us. It's not a dormant, abstract quality, church. It is a dynamic, living uh, uh, entity, a principle. We show grace to people. We are gracious to people. Amen. The, uh, the, the Bible makes it clear. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation, Timothy tells us, and instructing us. It's, it's not this idle thing that just starts up uh, when things go bad. It is happening. It has taken place 24 hours a day. Peter said this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not this one-time event in the Christian experience. We stand in grace. I read the story of these two men who are arguing about eternal security. Are we eternal secure? Are we eternally secure or not? And, uh, and the one man said, well, no, we're not. Um, uh, if the Lord has saved you and you're in his lifeboat, if you choose to jump out of the lifeboat, then you're going to drown. You're going to drown. And so you're not, you're not eternally secure. And then the other minister said, uh, yeah, but if the Lord saves you, if, if you are with your son on a lifeboat, um, you are gonna, you're, you're gonna make sure he doesn't jump out of the lifeboat. You're gonna make sure that he doesn't jump out, and 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 I'm gonna hold on to my son with all of my might. And the other minister said, "Yeah, but your son could choose to to take off his jacket that you're holding on to and jump out of the boat." And the other minister said, "Well, you're mistaken. I'm not holding on to his jacket. I'm holding on to him. I'm holding on to him." Uh, the, 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 the point is not whether you believe in eternal security or eternal insecurity. The, the point is, do you believe God's holding on to you? Do you believe that, that there is this constant grip that God has on our lives? That it's not just when we jump out. It's not just when we're faltering or when things are going bad. But, but is His grace there 24 hours a day? Amen. It's, it's, I believe it is. I believe God's grace is sufficient. For when we are weak, then are we strong. Amen. Amen. Paul said, oh, I, I, those that I sh the things I should do, I'm not doing. And those that I know to do, I don't do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Amen. Thank God, he says, for the grace of God that passes all understanding. What shall separate us from the love of God? I, amen. It is not just a one-time event. We stand in grace. We're held on by grace. Amen. Romans says, By whom also we have access by faith into His grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We are driven by grace. We live by grace. We are empowered by grace. Paul wrote to the Hebrews, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food. Peter said we should grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we could properly define grace as this free 
and benevolent influence of a holy God operating sovereignly in the lives of undeserving sinners. God sovereignly, He chooses to show us grace. There's nothing we do to deserve it. He chooses to be gracious. We know the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, verse 11. And he said, there was a certain man who had two sons. And the younger said unto him, Father, give me the portion of goods that, that felleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days hence, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat that no man gave unto him. But when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called thy son. And the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put the rings on his hand, the shoes on his feet. Sorry that I'm smiling, but I've got to tell you something. Billy Graham was driving once, and he was speeding, and he was arrested. And he had to go before the court. And the judge said, you're guilty. Well, well the judge said, what do you plead? And Billy Graham said, I plead guilty. I'm guilty. I committed the crime. And the judge said, well, you're going to have to pay the fine. And this was back in the day when fines weren't big. He said, you're going to pay a dollar for every mile you drove over the speed limit. And so he drove 10 miles over the speed limit. So he said, you, you're going to have to pay $10. And then the judge realized who it was. <laughs> it's Billy Graham. And the judge said, Reverend, I'll pay the fine. And so the judge pulled out his wallet and paid Billy Graham's fine, and then he ended court, and then he took Billy Graham out and bought him a steak at the best restaurant. <laughs> Billy Graham said, do you see what a repentant heart will get you? <laughs> do you see what this young man got when he repented to his father? Bring hither the fatted calf. Kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead 
and he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's fine. And they began to make merry. His other son got mad. Bring forth the robe, the ring, the fatted calf. Have a party. What's going on? I'll tell you what was going on. Grace was going on. Grace was going on. It was the benevolent father in all the sovereignty saying, I am going to show grace to my son. Amen. I hear Jesus saying, give him the cloak also. Give him the cloak also. I'm reminded of Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. But church, it wasn't just Noah. And, and we don't like talking about Noah uh, in a negative way, but Noah had some issues himself. Amen. Just read it. After the flood, amen, Noah had issues. Even after we're saved, we have issues from time to time. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God that there's this grace that just holds on to us with this death grip and says, I will not let you go. Hallelujah. But it wasn't just Noah. It was the three sons of Noah and their wives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, they received the grace of God too. Thank you, Lord. You know, some theologians believe that Melchizedek the one that Abraham paid tithes to was one of the grandsons of Noah and was on the ark. I want to tell you, church, God is gracious. The thief on the cross. He has forgiveness and he has grace. Amen, right? The Lord forgave him on the cross. But then he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Won't get into the theology of that, but, but church, to put it simply, today there's going to be some good things that are going to happen to you. I'm going to be gracious to you. I'm going to show you grace because I'm benevolent, because I'm sovereign. I have the power to show grace to who I want to show grace and you have shown me repentance. You've shown me, you've shown me that, 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 that you need me. And I'm going to be gracious. His grace goes beyond forgiveness. And that's maybe one of the things that I maybe never wrapped my head around it. Amen. I've always considered grace and forgiveness as kind of the same thing. Right? They're, they're, if, if you're being gracious to somebody, you're forgiving them. God bless you. God bless you. I forgive you. I've shown grace. Amen. I had grace, and so I forgave them. I forgave them because I was gracious. God forgave us because, because he's gracious. But it goes farther than, than forgiveness. Amen. It's, it's preferring. It's blessing. It's blessing. It's reaching out and touching somebody. I'm going to challenge you, church, this year that we have got to prefer other people. We've got to care about other people. It goes beyond forgiveness. I forgive you for taking my coat. Here's my cloak also. Amen. 
I forgive you for what you did, thief on the cross. Now today you'll be with me in paradise. It's, it's support to people who don't deserve it. And I believe that we could be a church of grace. Are we capable of being gracious to people? Are we capable of reaching out and blessing somebody who doesn't deserve to be blessed? Amen. Because grace says, I'll do more than just forgive. Grace says, amen, you stole $50 from me and I forgive you, by the way, Here's another 20. Grace says, Bishop Monsignor uh, uh, Benevue, it means literally in French, welcome. He was the bishop that Jean Valjean stayed with his, after he was set free from his prison in Les Mis. That night, Jean Valjean stole all the silver, the spoons and the forks, etc., and escaped from this uh, uh, convent or, or whatever it was. And he was arrested in the night. I read an excerpt from the book because Les Mis is actually based on a series of books. <clears throat> And so I was reading the excerpt from the book on the situation. And so when they arrested Jean Valjean, they took him back to the priest. And the priest, Monsignor, said, I gave those to him. I gave him the silver spoons and the silver forks. And the policeman said, well, then are you saying that he is forgiven and that we are to take him out of his shackles. And the priest said, yes, absolutely. And the police did that and left. And Jean Valjean said, are you saying that I am free? And the priest said, not only are you free, but I'm giving you the silver candlesticks as well. You know the story. It's, it's grace. It's not just forgiving, but it's giving beyond the forgiveness. It's blessing beyond. Amen. Just simply forgiving. It's putting the ring of the father on the son's hand. It's killing the fatted calf. It's, it's giving him his cloak. You've wasted everything I've ever worked for, son. Now here's my ring. Here's the fatted calf. Let's celebrate. Because my son that was lost is found. You see, grace goes beyond forgiveness. Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker, I'm closing, Sister Bag. Both had churches Charles Spurgeon was the silver-tongued preacher in London. Amen. Has everyone heard of Charles Spurgeon? Charles Spurgeon, at his 
uh, uh, peak, 10,000 people would go to that sanctuary to hear him preach on Sunday morning. 10,000. He recorded all of his sermons. Most every preacher I know has his library of sermons, your pastor included. Extremely intelligent. Well, Spurgeon was preaching and Joseph Parker were both preaching in London in the 19th century. And on one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children admitted to Spurgeon's orphanage. It was reported to Spurgeon, however, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself instead of just the children in the orphanage. Well, Spurgeon blasted Parker the next week over his pulpit. And the attack was printed in newspapers. It was the talk of London. People flocked to Parker's church the next Sunday to hear the rebuttal that Parker would have for Spurgeon. He said, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today, and this is the Sunday that they use to take an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead, and we give it to Spurgeon's orphanage. The crowd was delighted. The ushers emptied the collection plates three times. The money was given to Spurgeon's church. For his orphanage. Something else, isn't it? Later that week, there was a knock on Parker's study. It was Spurgeon. And he said, Parker, you've practiced grace on me. You've given me what I didn't deserve. But you did give me what I need. Church, our community needs us. There's needs that we can help fulfill. We could have a GED class for kids who haven't finished their high school education. We could sponsor a breakfast for local teachers or firemen or policemen or vets to thank them for their service. We could have a car care day where we'll offer to clean people's cars to check their oil, to check their tire pressure. We could sponsor kids for Christmas from broken homes or parents who are in jail. We could have classes for people who are entering back into society from jails who don't understand how to work properly. Don't understand that you, if you have a job, you have to get up and you have to be to work on time. Church, that might be simple to us, but to some people, it's not proper hygiene, etc. Uh, we need rehab classes for addicts in a strong way. We, it is an epidemic in this area. We need, we need to have something that teaches young men and young women how to properly act, how to properly live in this world. We should have a Facebook page or a blog on, on grieving, people that grieve. Uh, uh, it, people that grieve, it is one of the hardest things to go through when you're grieving over something. You question everything. Is God real? Does God care? Where is God? Why did this happen? Why did it happen to me? Uh, if, if we just had something that would help grieving people, 
free classes on exercise, on healthy eating. What if we had, what if we had some exercise stuff back there uh, where once a week if anyone wanted to come and, and have a, a, a quick class on how to exercise properly and how to eat properly. Uh, we could have a mother-child ministry for single moms who are struggling financially to, to, to maybe help them uh, understand how to get some extra funds from the state perhaps and, and how to uh, cook properly and how to uh, 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 be, give your children a nutrition nutritious meals. Uh, you see church, there's so many things. You could have a uh, retirement home ministry, which, which um, uh, the Mainers have started. We could have a jail ministry. Uh, I've I, I read of one. I thought it was pretty powerful. It's called a random act of kindness card, where a, you have a business card, a church business card on the front, and on the back you have something printed out that says something like, just something extra to show that God loves you. And you, you slip that card in with a $10 bill or a, or a prepaid uh, Walmart card uh, to pay for somebody's groceries, to pay for somebody's gas. Uh, you, you have a neighbor who you know uh, their children need some clothes or shoes. You, you, you buy a gift card to JCPenney's and you slip that business card uh, with that gift card and you just say, hey, this is, uh, we just want you to know we care. We want you to know that, that, that we want to do something to help you. You see, church, uh, we need to be gracious to our community. We need to show kindness. Amen. And it doesn't necessarily take money. What if I don't have money? You, what, what skill, what talent do you have? How could you help somebody? Could you, could you teach them uh, a skill? Could you, could you change some oil if they don't have the money to change their own oil? There's so many things that we could do to help our community. When Clara Burton was engaged, Sister Bag, if you would come, if we would stand. When Clara Burton was engaged in the Red Cross in Cuba during the Spanish-American War, uh, Colonel Theodore Roosevelt, <clears throat> before he was president, came to her and he said, I have to buy supplies and food for my people. I have to buy them for my wounded and sick men that are under my command. And Clara Barton said, no, I will not sell these to you. And he was troubled. He loved his men. And he was ready to pay for the supplies out of his own pocket. How can I get these things, he asked her. I must have these supplies and food for my sick men. And she said, just ask for them. Just ask for them. Colonel, said the surgeon in charge of the Red Cross. Oh, he said, it's pretty simple. Then, then I ask for them. Can I have supplies and food for the sick men in my, under my command? And he got them. He got them at once. And he had no fee. She did not charge them. He got them through grace. Church, everything we have, we've gotten through grace. 
Every breath we take is because of God's grace. Because of his love for us. Everything about our walk with God is because he loves us and he's gracious to us. Can we extend the grace? Can we be gracious to other people? Can we find a way to reach out to our communities? Amen. And touch them with God's grace. In Jesus' name. Lord, God, every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, use me, God. This world, this community, this area needs to see your grace personified. Needs to see not just the concept of grace, but the reality of it, Lord. How can we reach out and touch them? How can we be evangelists of grace, Lord? Because we want to be a church that's a gracious church. But that means we've got to be gracious, God. It can't just be a title. Hallelujah. It's got to be an action. It's got to be an action, Lord. In Jesus' name, lay it on our hearts. Lay something on our hearts, God, that could reach out and touch our neighbor our co-worker, amen, something, Lord, that could show them, amen, your grace, God. Not just your forgiveness, but your blessings on those that don't deserve it, Lord. Amen, in Jesus' name.